Hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Agency Talk Show. I'm your host, Chip Griffin, the founder of Saga, the Small Agency Growth Alliance, and I am delighted to have with me none other than the regular panelist, Lima Nightmare. Welcome to the show, Lima. <laughs> <laughs> I love the new nickname. And Lima Nightmare, by the way, you just told me to behave, my, behave myself while the mic was hot. Last time someone told me to do that, it, it didn't go well. Yeah. Actually, your real name is Lee McKnight Jr. For any listener who has not caught you on the show before, uh, you were with RSWUS. And why don't you give a, a brief overview? Actually, before you do that, let me explain the Lima Nightmare thing, because probably That's most good, yeah. people have no idea where that yeah, comes from. On, yeah. We use an automated transcription service for this show. And on a recent uh, episode that you appeared on, it decided that Lee McKnight was Lima Nightmare. And so I've just decided that that should be your nickname going forward. So we're having some it. fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I play out with some guys in, in a couple of bands, but if I go solo, which everyone's waiting for, it's Lima Nightmare for sure. Absolutely. I, we're all waiting for that. Uh, uh, the so. world is waiting, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so, so, who are you really, and, and what do you do yes. when you're not fantasizing about being a uh, solo act? <laughs> uh, yes, Lee McKnight Jr. I'm the VP of Sales at RSW US. We're based out of Cincinnati, and... We are an outsourced business development firm. We solely work with agencies, and uh, that does include not the traditional agencies, but things like PR, right? Different animal, digital, and small to mid-sized firms are, are really our sweet spot. And so we're out there to get in uh, at the top of the funnel with a good qualified meeting, and then the key is getting clients closer to close. So it's taking them a little further down the path, helping them nurture leads where it makes sense, um, you know, to ultimately have them win more business. And you generously create a lot of free content on the subject, obviously, on shows like this. But you also have your own YouTube channel uh, at RSWUS where you create uh, uh, what the, the my three things or the what, yeah three takeaways three takeaways. I knew it yep, was it yep. was three things, but I couldn't three something remember. yeah three th three something. <laughs> it's three useful bits of advice. It is worthwhile yep. to subscribe to. And so you're you're very generously creating content, and that is a perfect segue into what we want to talk about today, which is the content that agencies create and how agencies can be smarter about what they're creating and how they're using it. Yeah, and you know, I always do this at the end. I want to get the prop out of the way now. Oh boy. So there's Battlestar Galactica, 80s action figure. Nice. That's a Cylon. Love it. That that is that is definitely my era. So I I, I appreciate that. When, uh, when, yeah. when we can when we can do things that I can relate to, yes. and I don't have to sit there and say what what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Like I do with my kids all the time. Now so. that I've, yeah, as you should yeah, my kids the same. So I've, now that I've derailed this entire thing, uh, no, yes. um, yeah. So what I threw out, uh, you know, as a topic potential today, when you talk about agencies and creating content. There were a couple of pieces uh, to it. Specifically, where, uh, where I threw that out was I had a conversation with an agency principal uh, last week. And um, I always like to ask the question when I'm, you know, when, I, when, I, when I'm prospecting, my prospects are agency owners, partners, um, to try to bring them on board. So I'm talking to agencies every day. And I'll always ask that, you know, upfront questions around how, you know, how have you been handling new business? I mean, why are, we, why are you talking to me today? What's, you know, the challenges in terms of like, is, are there particular hurdles? And, and normally there are three or four that I, I can expect. And one I hadn't uh, heard in a while, uh, but that was just interesting was the fact that this particular agency, and I would agree, they were doing a solid job creating content, uh, whether that was they had a really good blog, nice presence on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and, and especially on LinkedIn, uh, the, the principal 
was doing a particularly good job and they were B2B focused, uh, mostly industrial, which is not always the sexiest topic, right? But he had done a really great job of in three or four, really succinct, like three times a day, which is tough to do and do well. Thought leadership driven, I'm like, man, that would be, love to have you as a client because we would want to you know, totally take advantage of that. He said, well, it, it, it's nice to hear you say that whether we work together or not, because the individual that we just unfortunately had to let go in the new business position was using none of it, none of it. And it was laid out on a platter for that person in, if nothing else, in these three and four little, if you will, kind of sound bites, they were written of course, but that were so personable, but at the same time spoke to their expertise and anyone in that industrial sector or B2B that a, a prospect of theirs, a marketer that would see that, they're like, oh, God, yeah, they get it. They're speaking my language multiple times a day. And it blew me away that, and to be fair, maybe they weren't trained up. I'm not sure what all the background was on this person. It's a tough hire. We all know that. We've talked about that here many times. But that was that was just that story I wanted to bring up today because it just blew me away that you wouldn't just see this amazing jewel or jewels that you have. Prospecting is hard enough at staring you in the face and you're not even using it. And the agency and the folks there working hard to produce that content and this individual is not even touching it. it was right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, we've talked previously uh, on this show and elsewhere about the importance of building relationships with your prospects when you're doing agency business development. It's not a spray and pray approach. It's not just a volume game. It's actually building relationships and content is one of the best ways that you can uh, not only create the, the relationship in the first place by you know introducing them to you, but it's also a great way of nurturing them through the process and addressing you know, their pain points, their concerns, maybe their questions that they may have about how you work or what you do. And so agencies, it behooves them to, to get smarter about the content they're creating and how they're using it. Because too often, like you, I've seen agencies that are creating content and not using it. They are creating content that doesn't really have a, a particular value. They're doing it either for vanity right. or because they enjoy creating it, but they're not really thinking about where it fits in the business development process or the client retention process or however they're going to use it. And so you need to be smart about those things because particularly for small agencies, the bread and butter of the, the listenership of this show, you yeah. just don't have the resources to squander. You can't just create stuff that, that goes and sits out there and, and never gets utilized. So you need to think about that from the, the, the part of the time where you're thinking about what to create all the way on through to how you're leveraging that with your prospects and clients. Yeah, excellent point. And I think to take it a step further, what's interesting, and I've been guilty of this myself. I mean, we, and thank you, we, we at RSW create a lot of content, as, as do you. I don't know how many series you have or how you sleep, but... Um, I don't. <laughs> it is pretty cool. You do a lot. Yeah, just a plug for Jeff. You're not seeing other besides this, all the other things he's doing, you should. I mean, it's valuable content. Um, and as I said, I've been kind of guilty myself of I'll have... Like we're doing this right now. It's called Tune Up. It's just it's a one-page visual guides, kind of like infographics, but not quite as detailed as some infographics can be. It's more like a, a checklist, if you will. Um, and we're doing a whole series of seven of those. I posted one of those last week, and it's in four. Within each one of those are four takeaways, essentially. And I'm racking my brain like, all right, I need to post something good. And I'm like, I only posted that whole thing once. There's four other ways I could post that that's not retreading 
I mean, it's there's that one takeaway that's valuable. An agency who might be just scanning LinkedIn that might be following me, that's going to resonate. And it's like, what are you doing, dummy? <laughs> like, and right. I think just like, yeah, agencies, you get you, you're close to it. You don't always take a step back and think about I didn't coin it, you know, but it's that I, I love it, though. It's it's whenever you create a piece of content, use it at least five different ways, because that individual that you think might have seen that they didn't see it. I mean, don't be afraid. And, and you don't post the exact or even sometimes you can post the same exact thing two days later, if you will. But um, I think it's another thing agencies maybe don't always think about is 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 once you've created that, don't just use it one time and push it out and think, why aren't people breaking my door down? Um, make it easier on yourself after you've done the hard work of, of content creation. Yeah, I, I think it's important for you to think through how can you take that that piece of content and and not only you know, be repetitive with it, you know, reuse it, repurpose it, but also how do you put it into different forms of media, right? So if you've Absolutely. got an infographic, turn it into a LinkedIn post, turn it into a blog post, you know, use that same information in a video or in a podcast because yeah. different people consume your content in different places and in different ways and, and maybe at different times of the, the sales cycle. And so the, the more ways that you can leverage that that single piece of research that you've done or the effort you've put into creating the content, the better. So, you know, think about it from those standpoints. And, and it's the, the same kind of thing that agencies are thinking about for their clients and the work they're doing for clients. But yes. too often the agencies don't look inward and say, okay, how can I apply these same <laughs> lessons, strategies, and expertise to ourselves? Oh my God. Uh, totally. And, and, and I, so many times, <clears throat> excuse me, I know you've seen it too. And talking to agencies yourself, they don't apply those same principles. And, and I get it with their own client work. Again, whether you want to call it the cobbler's children, which is from the 1600s. <laughs> I thought about people like agencies will still sometimes say that to me. Like, well, we're just like the cobbler's children. I think there's too many now. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, right. <laughs> What's your cobbler? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> we need to make you get an updated version of that proverb or fable, whatever it properly is. But it's um, it, it, because they're always head down and because they're busy and they have to be. Clients do come first. They're not always think, not only are they not thinking about what they're doing for their own clients and how they could apply it to themselves, um, but but I think also uh, in terms of agencies are constantly talking to me about constantly, but but they they mention quite a bit. Like you, you talk about content, how we need to do it, what what do we and this is age old. What, what do we what, what do we do? What's going to be interesting to these marketers? I mean, they don't they're not they don't care. I'm like, no, well, no, they I mean they do in the sense of if you can show that you can help them to make it, make it very basic. I mean, I think we've dropped this before when we've talked on our reports, marketers this year, it was like 73% of marketers say we read agency content and we predominantly read it on LinkedIn. And it's like, you got to take advantage of that. But it's, uh, it's all, you can always go back as an agency with a content creation to how do you help your clients, period. And think about that because you're living that every day. You just never think about the fact that you could turn that into content, not not things that are protected or, you know, you're not sharing hard figures or things like that. Sure. But man, that, that's just a goldmine. And you know it so well. Tap into that because that's just going to relate so much better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your best source of content ideas are the, the conversations you're already having with prospects and clients. So totally. if, if something's coming up over and over again, you probably ought to have a piece of content that speaks to that. <laughs> right. So that, you know, in, instead of writing the same email, you know, to a prospect answering a question over and over again, you can steer them to a piece of content 
where you explain how you do things or your point of view on something or why you like this tactic and not that one or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you know, start thinking through those things. And a lot of it doesn't have to be fancy. I think this gets a lot of agencies hung up. And I, I'm glad you mentioned infographics uh, a few moments ago because I remember when infographics first sort of started to take hold about a decade yeah. or so ago, and, and people just, you know, it, it became this sort of uh, arms race to create, you know, the the fanciest, most everywhere. complex infographics, and and so you know, I see infographics that are effectively like two pages long of of yeah. normal eight and a half by eleven text, and it's just all crammed in, and and it's and it's it's visually very appealing, but there's so much stuff you don't really even know what's going on, and you're not really taking advantage of the format. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that complicated, and and I see a lot of agency yeah. effort wasted on making something just right. And part of that's because the agency world wants to make sure they're putting their best foot forward, and so they're thinking, "Geez, if I'm going to put out an infographic, it's got to look tremendously visually appealing. The research has got to be spot on. If I'm doing a case study, it's got to be super detailed, and I got to have these interviews, and and I got to have you know imagery and quotes and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't need to be nearly as complex." as you think it does. Yeah. Most people aren't paying attention to that level of detail and they want the, the as you say, the key takeaways that you can yeah. leverage. And so focus on that first and foremost, and you can create more useful content more frequently than if you're trying to create, you know, pixel perfect, research perfect, everything, every time. Yeah, we need some kind of a billboard that you and I are now going to procure and on it for all the, every agency that drives by this mythical highway that we're on, but really keeping it simple. Uh, we, right before we jumped on, we were talking about case studies. We were guilty of that. And if you went to our site right now, hint, hint, shameless plug, um, you actually- And that. where where is that website, Lima? Uh, <laughs> I guess it's rswus.com. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe, is. maybe. Um, but in all sincerity, we were spending a lot of time on case studies and they look really good. Our designers, fantastic folks in our ops, you know, and having said that when people go to our site, they're hitting where you think they would the homepage. And we have a hub about our programs and a lot of content. And they're going to those three places. How often they just on their own are going to our case study page. Maybe I shouldn't say this out loud, but they're not. Now, when I prospect and I drive them to it, or, or they ask me, or they, and I do bring it up because I want them to see, then absolutely, then they're, they're clicking and they're going to those links, and that's great. But to your point, some of those that are on there now, okay, it looks, it looks pretty, it looks nice. I'm not going to get through all this. How did you help that person, and what was the result? You know, so we are in the process of totally changing it, you know, where we've got tiles, and we didn't create this. I mean, a lot of other folks, agency world or not, do, do it in this way. But where it's just here's a type, here's our client, here's what type of firm they are, here's the client that the business they won, here's what type of you know in their vertical type of company, and here was the the number, here was ultimately you know what what that what the value was to them as far as the result, and now we can send that. We'll have twelve of those blocks at any given time, and we don't have to peruse through fifteen paragraphs of we you know all this because. Yeah. So right. I, I think yeah, and, 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 and it holds back a lot of agencies from creating case studies that might yeah. actually be useful to them because they sit there and they think, oh, my God, it's going to take me so much time. I've got to yeah. set up interviews with the client and all that. Most of the time you can do case studies pretty effectively with just what you already know off the top of your head. And you just sit down and, you yeah. know, and, and, and put it into a, a an easy to digest format. 
in some cases, you may not even need case studies, right? I mean, if you're in, in your conversations with prospects, case studies aren't going to move the ball forward. Don't even bother with them. You've got to know how your process is working with your prospects and create the content that's right for them, not looking at what some other agency is doing or what one of us gurus says, you know, on YouTube or LinkedIn. You need to figure out what works for you and your client base. Yeah, I don't, I'm just, I don't disagree. I, I, I lean towards agencies always having, even if it's in their back pocket, some form of case study that can help back up the expertise. Mm -hmm. But uh, to your point though, but yeah, that doesn't mean that there needs to be, and I've seen, I'm sure you've seen it too, right? They have like 25 case studies. It's like, I don't, okay, I don't even know why, what are you doing there? And um, you're killing yourself. And that's probably not really helping SEO either, depending on how you have it set up. So I think it's just, I mean, obviously it's being smarter about it, but it is about showing the expertise. And if a long form case study doesn't do that, then stop doing them uh, in that way, at least. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting, but we certainly don't walk our own walk is what we're doing now. So right. and we we're usually pretty good about that, but case studies has always been like, what's the best way to do this? And I look, it's frustrating um, or it can be. And I think to your point, you've got to make it simple and repeatable and have maybe a template. Maybe it's not a formal template, but if you don't have a way that you can do it effectively, but simply then yeah, you're never going to do any of them because it's just like, oh, this takes so long and I have time for this. And, and then it's three years later and you have a great story and like you never told it. Right. Um, so. and, and at the same time, you know, obviously there's a lot of content that you're probably creating or thinking about creating that's not case studies. And in those cases, sure. you, you really should turn to those conversations that you're having with your clients and prospects and, and use it as an opportunity to address whatever concerns oh, yeah. or objections they may have or answer the questions that they may have. And, I, you know, one of one of my favorite things is, you know, when I'm talking with a prospect or a client who will say, you know, I talked to you about this and then, then I saw you wrote an article about it or you had it as a subject on your podcast yeah. or on the videos. I'm like, yeah, because that's where the ideas come from. <laughs> right? oh. I, I mean, I, I want to address the questions that I'm actually getting. I don't want to sit down and just make up what maybe is on my mind because, who knows? Who knows? My, my mind's a scary place. I'll tell you that. Ooh, and, and so I'd, I'd rather be in the minds of my clients and prospects and taking advantage of, of their, uh, their questions and concerns rather than my own. Yeah. I mean, I, every single prospect conversation I have, I've got my notebook out part of it just to make sure I've taken notes in case they, they're throwing out things that might be important yeah. to follow up. But the other is, is to your point, I almost always get some kind of idea for a blog post or a video from something that they've said, and you would think it's like, they probably all just kind of say a lot of the same things and, and some kind of do because the problems tend to be similar, but no, every time I get something cool where I'm, I'm and I will say, I'm going to steal that from you, by the way, I'll, I'll give you credit if you want. And they're like, no, you can have it. And so it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's really good. And it's like, cause you're not the only one going through this or, you know, and, and they're not. So it's. Right. And, th and that's a great point. I mean, I, I've created a one page uh, note form that I use for all of my client calls and prospect yeah. calls. And it, you know, the, the, the body of it is really just a two column note taking thing. It's pretty standard. But at the bottom, yeah. I have two small boxes. One is for to do's or follow ups. But the other one is, is labeled ideas. And it's ideas that come nice. out of it either for a topic or a service or a workshop or something that came out of that conversation. And almost every single meeting, I've got at least one and often more than one thing in that box that I can then leverage, you know, for future content or other purposes. 
I love that. You're like formalizing the process. That's great. Yeah. And no, I, I, I needed some structure because my, my handwriting sucks. And, you know, I used to just use, you know, my, my notebooks and just right. write things and I'd be flipping through. I'd be like, what is this? And so now, now I just, I created uh, about six months ago, just a standard form. And it's got, you know, name and date of who I'm talking to, cool. an agenda, you know, and it just, it really helps keep me much more organized. And particularly for my regular uh, client coaching calls, it allows me to more easily refer back and, and review the last couple every time we talk so I can refresh my recollection because, you know, I'm right. getting old, Lee, and, and my, my brain is no, just not, not no. what it used to be. <laughs> well, agencies watching now or, or in the future, take note. I mean, this is a, a, a fantastic takeaway. I mean, to, to formalize that process, especially, as you said, two or three months later, maybe. Um, my handwriting is also terrible. I, I can read it well enough, you know, after the fact, but yeah, three months later, right? I, that looks like an alien symbol. I'm not sure what that was, but yeah. So I, I like that a lot, actually. It's cool. Yeah. And, and so I think if, if we're thinking about, um, you know, how we're creating the content, you know, now we have to think about how we're delivering it. And yep. so I, I know one of the things we were talking about in the pre-show is one of the challenges that, that agencies have, um, you know, particularly when they're, they have an internal or external resource who is, is feeling pressure to create activity of some kind. Yep. They often resort to spray and pray emails and let's just put everybody on blast and, and get whatever content we have out there or request for a meeting or whatever. And, we, and, and that then yeah. has some potential negative impacts. It does. And I definitely wanted to, to bring that up because I don't, I'd be interested. We talk to our clients about it and specifically email deliverability and your sender reputation. Now I'm certainly not going to Tell anyone here that I'm, I'm an expert as we go into the technical details of how to do it. If you just Google it, there's tons of information. Thankfully, on our end, we have folks in our Marcom and our, our operations department who are pretty deep into it. But what ultimately, for folks, if you're not aware of this at this point, and I, I would think a lot of them, maybe you are, but there's there's some. I mean, I just really started delving into it myself. Like, what do you tell me more of what you guys are doing over here? Um, that if you are specifically, to your point, just blasting out which a lot of not only salespeople tend to default to, but you have, and you know, I'm not knocking any competitors, but legion firms, not even in the agency space, but just, this is what we do. And they, they'll tell you, I mean, we are an email, you know, that that's how we're getting these meetings. That's our main focus. And what that typically probably means is they're blasting those out. So if Google, and I'm really making this very basic, but if, you know, Google is seeing that, what you're sending is effectively going into too many spam folders. It's setting off some of those Google alarms, but you can get into a bad sender reputation and it, it can really hurt your email efforts to where they're not getting your emails anymore because you've effectively been blasted and, it, and you can get out of that, but it is tough. Um, and so agencies also, the, especially small agencies, mid-sized agencies, when they do make an internal hire at new business, bless them. But because they're so busy, the reason they hired that person in the first place, a lot of times they're not keeping up like they should, or they're not having the visibility of these folks, especially if it's someone that they feel like I don't need to, they're good that they've been doing this for a while. And that all may be true. But if you aren't hundred percent sure the tools that they're using, and if they are just blasting out, because especially after COVID, right? I mean, it, it, it well, it changed so many things, but specifically the business development, it's like, okay, people are at home. Does the phone not really work anymore? We, and we talked about a little bit of this in the past. 
But what you tend to do is write, well, I know they're on email, of course, because that's what they're doing. So maybe mail, uh, physical mail, maybe not, might not be working. Maybe the phone might not be working, which by the way, they both still are very much so. But um, it's, it's so, so now we're just email, email, email. And you know, you're finding that, are you even sure that they're getting through? So you can Google and, and there are tools and Google has a specific tool that Postmaster tool that will help you with the sender reputation. And sometimes you feel like Google's just pulling all our strings. We're all their puppets, but but it is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, and, and, that... and the other problem you have is is if if you damage your sender reputation, it doesn't just impact your ability to do these blast emails. It can impact your ability to just send one to one emails to yeah. your oh, own absolutely. actual clients. Oh, for I, sure. I I have worked with some agencies that used this tactic uh, of of just blasting stuff out, and I had a hard time receiving their individual one to one emails where we were actually doing work together because their email domain had such a poor reputation from a technical perspective. But let's, yeah. let, even if you set aside the technical stuff and you figure out, okay, well, here's how I can get around that or work within the systems that Google or LinkedIn or all these folks have, you have your own actual reputation as a firm, as an agency. Such a good point. That you're damaging. And, and I gotta tell you, my inbox is filled day oh. in and day out, both my email inbox and my LinkedIn inbox with agencies pitching me absolutely irrelevant nonsense services that have no impact on the work that I do. They didn't spend even five seconds to look at my website. In some cases, many listeners may know that I rebranded uh, as the Small Agency Growth Alliance about a year and a half ago. I still get people who are reaching out from agencies calling it Agency Leadership Advisors, and they love the work that Agency Leadership Advisors is doing. Well, you haven't paid any attention because it hasn't been named that in a year and a half. So don't tell me that you looked and you saw it and it was great. Don't don't pitch me to be on a podcast where I don't have guests. Yeah. One of the podcasts I do is a, is a weekly podcast with Ginny Dietrich of Spin Sucks. Right. We've been doing it for four years now. We have had not one single yeah. guest. Always I get pitched right? every single week for guests. I, in fact, I got one just before we got on the show. An agency reached out and said, you know, I loved your episode on this. So kudos to them for actually finding an episode. Yeah. I'd like to I'd like to pitch, you know, my client as someone who can continue that conversation. Cool. Where? Not on this <laughs> show, because we've never had a guest. Maybe they want to be the first one. Did they mention that? No, look, I mean, I would give them at least some props if they said, I know you never have guests, but I wonder if you might consider it. Yeah, at least they know that. Because yeah. at least they're then signaling that they know, but most of this stuff is not that way. And, and LinkedIn yeah. really has just become, you know, a garbage pit of people reaching out with, you know, nonsense connection requests or in mail or those kinds of things. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. You don't. And here's the thing. Agencies do not need lots and lots of new clients. They need a handful every year of good yeah. quality clients, assuming they've got good retention of their existing clients. You don't need huge volume. So don't look to send out to 5,000 or even 500 people. If you've got 50 people that you're targeting for meaningful conversations, real relationships, you'll be in much better shape and you won't run into any of these problems of deliverability. You won't be creating useless content. You won't be wasting tons and tons of time on pointless phone calls or Zoom calls or emails. Yeah, I, I, that's great because it's, <laughs> it's interesting when... Uh... I always make sure if I'm in a, a conversation with an agency, they're considering us. I want to get out fairly quickly just what their expectations are on volume. And if, if and bless them, but if, if I hear from them that, uh, well, what I'm really kind of looking for is like 10 to 20 meetings a week 
And I've heard numbers kind of like that. We're getting our clients two to three meetings a month because we are targeting as, as, as specifically as we can, the right type of clients. And that, that can be a work in progress, but um, I will, I will turn around and say, well, first of all, I don't want to waste your time. We probably shouldn't keep talking because <laughs> that's not the kind of firm we are. There are legion firms. I think you say they can do that. How are you going to take 20 meetings a week? Number one, right. <laughs> number two, how good do you think those are going to be? Give me just a percentage of what you think is going to be good out of that 20 a week. And then you say you need, but how many clients do you really need? I mean, how many, to your point. And I think a lot of these, you know, today I give credit. I mean, so many of these small and mid-sized firms, that they know that. I think I think those are outliers that want the crazy volume and, and I hope. But it, but it is such a good point is that when you look at it from that perspective, and numbers are important, but you're right. You don't need 5,000 in your database out of the gate and just blasting away at them because they're probably not, they're probably going to be all over the place in terms of verticals. Your messaging is not going to resonate to your point. It looks like you've done no homework. It's it's a waste of time, everyone's time. But instead, and that's, we'll, we'll go after about 80 prospects at RSW uh, a month because we, we can personalize the outreach, but it's still a healthy number. It's not, we're not just going after like 10 a month, mm -hmm. but Baby steps. I always talk about that in our content, you know, for these small mid-sized agencies who are struggling, maybe they want to restart or they're kind of starting. They've come off all these referrals, which are great, but they know they've got to have some kind of an engine to back when those aren't coming in maybe as often. And it's like, you don't have to start with a giant number target and focus. And then that way you're not having to do the, the, the giant email blast all the time um, because you can't have that focus. Right. And, and I think that, that a lot of times agencies have these expectations of volume set by pitches that they get from lead gen firms that are not thinking about it the same way that you and I are. Well, and, so, and, and so they're they're coming in and they're saying, hey, I can get you, you know, 10 appointments a week or whatever. And so yeah. now now they've got it stuck in their head that this is what I should be doing. Or perhaps they're watching and there's a bunch of YouTube videos out there from some so-called agency gurus who talk about the importance of just getting tons and tons of calls set up. That's interesting. That is not the way to do it. Yeah. That is just, it is just, I mean, most of you listening to this could not handle even one new client a month. <laughs> right. right. I mean, because yeah. think about it. The, the way that most agencies work, the onboarding process would be prohibitive for any agency under, say, you know, 25 or 30 people. Again, the bread and butter of the listenership here. Yep. So, so don't go out there trying to think about this as a volume play. Think about this as yeah. quality. And so to, to sort of bring it back to where we started, if, you, if you're thinking about building quality relationships, you can really do that effectively with content if you're using it smartly, if you're investing the time to create the right content and deliver it to the right people at the right time. So that would really be my key takeaway for yeah. this. Think about the, the, the content, use it smarter. Don't, don't over-invest in the wrong stuff. Don't create stuff that just gathers dust. Actually use it. Yeah, I, that's amazing uh, and succinct. And the only other thing I would add to that is also with content in terms of volume, you don't need that one example I gave where that one principal was posting three or four times a day on LinkedIn. That's awesome, but you don't have to do that to be effective. Because I, I'm sure some folks, when I said that earlier, might be thinking, oh, my God. Uh, right. And you got to do what's right for you. I mean, you know, you we, we talk about you this do. all the time. You need to invest in the business development tactics that work for you, that you enjoy doing, that you will do consistently, that you can do well. And maybe that's content. Maybe it's emails, whatever. But what, just do it smartly. Yeah. 
and and you'll be in much better shape than if you're just following someone else's playbook and and working at a crazy volume play. Yeah, so. I agree. So with that, that's going to bring to an end this episode of the what? Small Agency Talk Show. Lima Nightmare, where can people find you? They can, you know, we need to get you res like reserved as Lima Nightmare on Twitter or something like that so people can uh, actually find you there. Do, and I need T-shirts. I know that. T-shirts. Um, T-shirts would be great. I love it. Where, where, oh, where can you? they actually find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mentioned the site, rswus.com, and that's where all the content lies. And our YouTube channel, uh, you, you'll find on there as well. We post all the videos that go straight to there. And, yeah, we do three takeaways uh, every other week which is all based on business development. Um, we started up on our sister company, RSW Agency Search. Our president, Mark Snyder, is interviewing marketers every week. And there's a lot, while, while that's for marketers, so much of it is agency related that we're like, we're going to post it on RSW too because agencies don't get to hear other than their clients. Their prospects aren't always that profuse, you know, or they're going to some of the topics that we go into. So it's been... We're on our fifth episode. It's been pretty well received. I think it's been helpful for agencies. So yeah, it's all on that on that side. Excellent. And if you want to see a replay of this episode or any of the previous episodes, any of the podcasts, videos, all that kind of stuff, just go to smallagency.tv and you get the full archive of videos there. If you want to get additional information about Saga, you can visit smallagencygrowth.com. And so with that, that brings us to an end of the... Oh, and see, now you got two props this week. What what is this second prop here? I I can't the really Elvis see. Elvis coffee cup. Elvis. I'm an Elvis fan. So, yeah. and, and Elvis will now leave the building. We'll wrap up <laughs> oh, this episode. <laughs> and I hope to see you all back here next week. And Lee, I hope to see you back here real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Chip. Love it. Thanks. <laughs>